Coming up on Back of My Play, I'm hanging out with John Linneman of Digital Foundry and Digital Foundry Retro live on YouTube. This is part of the Patreon supporter preview that we're giving to everyone. And if you want to make sure that you continue to get Back of My Play live every single month, you can go to patreon.com slash backinmyplay. Support the show at $5 or more per month, and you're going to get access to that two and a half hours of additional content, which also includes Back of My Play Radio, which you can sample in this feed, and The Weekend Rental, which you can sample at backinmyplay.com. This is very vital going forward, so I can continue to grow the show, invest time and resources to make it bigger. And if you love the show, if you really want to help it grow going forward, that's the best way to do it. It takes just a couple minutes to set up. And again, for $5 or more per month, you're going to get two and a half hours of additional content. Plus, if you're supporting the show at $10 or more per month, you get to direct the conversation of the Back of My Play live show and tune in live. I'm really excited about this. And I hope, again, I know it takes a couple minutes to go over there and do it, but it means a lot if you support the show. $5 per month, about the price of a cup of coffee. And it's going to allow me to create additional content, not just for Patreons, but for everyone else. So please head over to patreon.com slash back of my play. And for all you awesome current Patreons of back of my play, you may need to adjust your contribution to make sure you still get this exclusive content. Because when I flipped the switch, you went from supporting the show at $1 per episode or $2 per episode to $1 or $2 per month. So you'll need to log back in your account and then adjust it accordingly to either $5 or $10 or more per month. I really appreciate your support. Hopefully you can head over to patreon.com slash back my play help myself and the show so we can continue this show going forward into the future. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. We're talking about Xbox. We're talking about like really weird video stuff with the Xbox. We're talking about Frame Meister scalers. We're talking about Quake 2 and the awesome work that John is doing at Digital Foundry. That and so much more is coming up right now on Back My Play Live. Hello, welcome to Back in My Play Live for May 2017. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and for the very first episode of Back in My Play Live, our monthly show that we do for Patreon subscribers, this one is free for everyone, so you can get a little bit of a taste of what it's going to be like, but one episode a month for Back in My Play will be done live, so that way we can get a, a really good interaction with the audience, and a lot of times it's going to be setting the table for like the next month's worth of, of content, and a lot of times to also just fit in some topics and subjects that don't necessarily warrant a, a whole episode within itself, but we'll see how that goes today. And for this very first episode from Digital Foundry, I got John Linneman back on the show. John, how are you? Hey, Kevin. How's it going? Going pretty good over here. It's 9 p.m. in Germany, so it's a nice <laughs> evening, perfect for some uh, streaming. And you got your Quake 2 video done, and it's out, yes. and it's live on YouTube. Happy to get that finished. That was uh, two days of hard work, but it's it's doing pretty good so far, so I'm happy. Yeah, that People was... People dig it. It, it. It's amazing how much our like memories just seem to smooth over the rough edges of a lot of that stuff. Like I totally remember playing Quake 2 on... What must have been like a Pentium, like 400, like a Celeron processor. Oh, yeah. Like, that sounds like right. A, a terrible computer. And even at one point, I had some sort of like Pentium 2 300 machine, but 
like not with 3D graphics, just like <laughs> whatever whatever was in the computer that my brother borrowed from work and gave to me. Um, but man, that game needed a lot of ho- horsepower. It seemed to be like really the crisis of its time, needing tons and tons of hardware behind it to even get to like 20 frames per second. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about PC games back in the day, though, really, is uh, everybody today were used to like really high frame rates, but... Back then, I mean, even on pretty fast PCs, you weren't just getting 60 frames per second smooth. It was like more like 30-ish, sometimes in the 40s, 50s, on really fast hardware. But it was nothing like what we have today. So we're, we're kind of spoiled today with modern PC games, I, I think. Well, now, I mean, the only unfortunate thing is also I cannot, um, on my my uh, gaming laptop, I guess you would say, like with a nice 960M, 4 gigabyte oh, yeah. graphic card thing won't even boot up quake 2 out of steam right now which again is like that's only the one hardship of like playing this old stuff on pcs is like a lot of times Mm. there are some extra hurdles that you need to go through it doesn't just unfortunately work like you would like to think for for pc stuff but um you didn't even just do that like you had a i guess it was one of your viewers put together a bunch of captures from actual hardware like 3d fx graphics cards of the time that's that's exactly right he actually reached out to me a week or so ago and it's a guy that lives nearby in germany even and he said yeah he's like a 3d fx voodoo collector so to speak so he has like all of the different cards handy so uh, he was just like just tell me what you want and i was like all right give me some of this footage here here and here and he got back to me in like a three three or four days with like here's like 30 minutes of footage from all these old pcs and i'm just like okay this is cool so that really helps out (laughs) yeah getting getting that like extra helping hand from from the audience is it's huge and it means like for your job you don't need to have this closet full of like you know like like what would you need like three-year increments of computers to try to capture all this stuff I mean, I'd love to have some old PCs around, but I just, I don't have the room for it. I'm trying to keep everything kind of streamlined. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's great to have people out there that are able to help on that stuff. Do you know, are there other, like, other options for you to emulate certain, like, th- whether it's like 3D FX cards or video cards of that era? Like, not necessarily DOS box, but something oh, that I would give you, you something close? Yeah, sort of. Like, um, well, actually, yes. 3D effects, there's a lot of different ways to approach it. I mean, the most common way is to use like something called a glide wrapper, mm-hmm. which is basically kind of like hooks into the driver or the, the glide APIs and translates them over to a modern card. But there's other ways as well. There's something called PCEM, which is a just a PC emulator. And on a fast PC, you can up you can very accurately emulate like a Pentium 166 MMX and it has 3DFX Voodoo support in it, and it behaves like a real PC from that era. So That's it's, cool. So it's genuine emulation of the real hardware, and it, it works pretty well. It's it's a neat thing to see. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, I'd be remiss if, if we didn't talk about uh, a couple of things. I, I do want to continue talking about Quake 2 uh, a little bit, but also for people that are watching right now, and unfortunately, if you're listening to this in the future, uh, we do have a live chat going, and I see people pop it into the chat. If, if you do have topics that you want us to jump to, that's what this is all about. You guys get to really direct the conversation. And if you do have any questions or topics, like I said, you want us to cover, put them in the chat and I will keep track of all that stuff. In the meantime, uh, I do have a little bit of an outline of stuff that we're going to go over, uh, but feel free to start throwing stuff. Or if you're like, 
If you have anecdotes about Quake 2, put them in the chat. I'd love to throw them into the show as well. That's really uh, what I want this show to be. So you also looked at some of the console ports of of Quake 2. And I remember playing a little bit of Quake 2 on the N64. But what really blew me away was Quake 2 on the PlayStation 1. Did you play that back in the day? Did you remember how like impressive no, that was? No, I actually didn't play that back in the day because it came out after the Dreamcast was already out. So oh of my course, God. In, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm all the Dreamcast now. Like PlayStation, that's old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I didn't appreciate it yet. So I picked that up uh, maybe five or six years ago just on a whim. And man, I was really impressed with what I saw. I mean, it looks and runs better than any other first-person shooter maybe on the system. Yeah. And it's certainly smoother than most N64 shooters. I mean, it it really does run well, and it looks great. It's it's an amazing game on there. And the fact that... So the craziest thing that I didn't really get to test here, but after looking it up, apparently if you have two multi-taps and four PlayStation <laughs> mice, you can hook, you can do four-player split-screen with, with mice. So you do mouse look and four-player split-screen on a PlayStation... <laughs> So, so what were there like four people in the world that ever did that? They, they like they all knew I, yeah, each other and got together exactly. and did. Or I'm it was like QA, <laughs> probably QA, and maybe one other household. I mean, that's kind of how I felt when I got to play um, Doom on the Atari Jaguar. I played it networked with a friend, and I was just thinking like, how many people actually have ever done this in their entire life, where you had two Jags in one place playing Doom? Oh, my, man, my, my only guess is like those virtual people that are those those conceptual people like must have walked into their local electronic store while they were on clearance and just both picked up a Jaguar for like 20 bucks and a copy of Doom. Man, I'd be jealous then because the prices of this stuff, whew, it's gone oh, way it? up, man. R- really for Jaguar stuff? people Dude, are yeah, like, I, I picked up a Jag recently, actually, and... Uh, the game prices, man. Some of the best games in there, like the prices are outrageous. Like we're talking like two, three hundred bucks for like just Jaguar games. Like and what games are we talking? Are we talking like, like Alien, Alien versus, Predator? versus Predator? Yeah, like two or three hundred bucks. bucks. I've seen something like that. It's insane. Like I'm not throwing down for that. I mainly picked up the Jaguar because I want to do an episode on it, and I found mm-hmm. some friends that actually have Jaguar carts that they're willing to lend me, so I can at least do a real episode on the system without spending like a thousand bucks getting the game because there's no, currently there's no EverDrive equivalent. I think somebody's I was just working gonna say on that. one. I was going to say Kirk's needs to get on a Jaguar EverDrive yeah, for us. There's somebody doing one of them, but it's not available yet. So maybe eventually that'll be great. Cause that, that's a perfect system for an EverDrive. <laughs> I, I bought an EverDrive <laughs> yesterday. Uh, oh, for, nice. Which one? For, for PC engine. Uh, I got a RGB modded, uh, what what would it be? It would. Uh, it, I did not get the uh, PC Engine Duo. I just got one of the core graphics, I believe. Uh, oh, hardware's. Excellent. Yeah, just because like I'm. Uh, is I don't know if it's something that's talked about a lot, but like Dojin Dance is like the guy that does a lot of mods in in Japan. And um, from talking with the My Life in Gaming guys, it seems like a lot of the mods that Dojin Dance has mm-hmm. done are kind of shitty. So yeah, that's true. So maybe you like if you're gonna go that route and you need to play discs, uh, PC Engine CDs, like go with someone else that's doing the modding and stuff. But I just like if I if I'm thinking PC Engine CD like exclusives, the only thing I think of is Rondo of Blood. Like that's the only thing I really care about. 
Yeah, I mean, there's some other good games in there as well, of course, but... Uh, totally. And there's some great ports, like Gradius 2 on there, awesome. It feels very yeah. close to the arcade, you know, stuff like that. I have a few other good games on the shelf over there for the PC Engine, but the CD, but it is a good system to have an EverDrive for, I agree, because mm-hmm. the Hue cards are very expensive. <laughs> yes, yes, they are, so. especially when you're talking about, uh, like... When I'm looking at the, like, I kind of have the next six months roughly sketched out for back of my play. And, and part of that is doing like a Blazing Laser Superstar Soldier, like joint episode. And uh, Dogen's bringing up Gates of Thunder and Lords of Thunder. Totally. He's right. Uh, Absolutely. Lords of Thunder is on Sega CD. So if, it's a different soundtrack, though, a little bit, I think. Also, I, you can't forget Valis, especially the remake of Valis 1. Have you played that? Yeah, there's some, some, good. Inter- really, some good intro really good. music for that. It's, it's um, fun. It's fun. I like that. <laughs> let me let me make sure we get some of the questions from the chat going on here because yeah. we've got some questions for you too, John. So um, I guess question, how, how do you get the N64 and PS1 footage through your tool? I thought you said they outputted analog. Yeah. So a lot of people had some questions about that because of an issue I ran into in the Metal Gear episode. And I guess to clarify that, the issue is when you run analog footage through, you basically, we have to use an algorithm that's sort of like, uh, has it, it's a little less accurate, so it works as long as your game has vertical sync enabled, right? And most retro games do, mm. but a few older ones, or a few games like Metal Gear Solid 2 actually have screen tearing, and as soon as you do uh, analog video plus screen tearing, it basically just stops... It doesn't detect very well, which means I would literally have to go through frame by frame and add in the tear tear lines manually, and that's hours that's, of work. That's insane, yeah. Not not worth it. So I, you know, so but for these games, you know, PlayStation and N sixty four and all that, most of the games are V synced, so it's no problem. Just run it right through and maybe correct a few errors, but it works. Uh, while we're hitting on some questions from the chat, uh, what are your physical? video game holy grails uh, have you found it or still hunting for it oh man that's always a good question isn't it um it looks like you got a pretty good lineup behind you man yeah i got i got most of the big games that i really want for now i think it's more like uh, hardware that i'd really like to get a hold of in particular over here in germany i'm now i'm using a sony pvm crt that i like it's a 20 incher it's great but I really want one of the ones that can do uh, HD and SD at the same, you know, so you can do 480p, 720p, and of course, 240p and 480i. Mm-hmm. But those are extremely rare to begin with, and they're almost impossible to find in Europe. So I've n- I've never even seen one for sale. And if it goes on sale, it'd probably be quite expensive. So, I mean, that kind of mm. thing I'd really like to get a hold of. I would really like to get into some Amiga stuff, actually. Because it's kind of a weird path that I've not gone down. I don't mm-hmm. know. So, especially over here, the Amiga and those kind of computers are really popular in Europe. Not so much in the states, but th- there's some cool stuff on there. Oh man, like I, I mean, looking. You want to just have some fun. Look at look at some arcade ports to the Amiga on <laughs> you know on YouTube, and it's just like kind of. You almost want to say, like, guys, what was the point? Did you really need to do that? Um, is it even close to resembling what the arcade version was? Maybe, maybe not. Um, 
So I guess Dogen also has another follow-up. Uh, which CRTs can do that? So is it like a specific model that you're looking yeah, for? Is there, it a Sony there's, PVM? There's a few specific models of the Sony PVM monitors, like maybe 2004, 2003-ish mm-hmm. range, that actually do have the capability to do all of those different modes in one display. And yeah, I mean, they're really, really cool. I think um, I've seen one in person before, and it's quite. it looks quite nice. So just hard to get a hold of. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, luckily, I don't think I have any more gaming holy grails because I've kind of fallen into the, like I try my best to buy something on a virtual console or some sort of like online service. Um, but for the most part, I'm very EverDrive heavy uh, for pretty much every single console, I think. I mean, except for like the Sega CD, but uh, I don't necessarily have any kind of like crazy holy grails for all that stuff because I'm like, if you kind of look over the last like even four years of the show, like I've kind of owned everything that I wanted to at some point, but then I sold it um, because like part of the fun is just finding it and buying it and then having it in your house, like whether it be like having... I mean, this might be something I pick up again down the road, but having like another like Neo Geo uh, Omega MVS. Uh, oh yeah, those are awesome. Those are fantastic, and just like literally, you could just grab one of those, get two AES uh, arcade sticks, and then you get a like a hundred and eighty-one and one or whatever the heck it is. And there's a couple of games that aren't available on that multi-cart that they made for the Neo Geo, but I mean, that's literally like just having obviously Neo Geo arcade hardware in your house exactly. that can exactly. go right into your frame. Maestro can go. Um, I think that's pretty much actually, no, they also have a component out. I haven't checked out what he's been up to uh, lately, but I think they also, maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's just Skarton component out that he has for that. I had a guess. That sounds good enough to me. <laughs> no, yeah, that is, that is pretty good. But now like we're seeing more and more things that are, and this is our, at arcade works, Dot net and I actually interviewed him years and years and God years ago. Like it was one of the maybe first twenty episodes. But yeah, um, yeah, this is pretty good. You can go uh, output through composite uh, S video component or through SCART, which is really really good. But we're seeing more things like whether it be NES hardware that is now just going straight up HDMI out and just simplifying it even more uh, than that. So you don't have necessarily have to go through the upscaling of a frame meister or need to be in europe and have an old you know scart tube <laughs> that's um, the funny thing about scart cables for you know the the live chat there is when you go to like regular electronic sh- stores here in europe you just find aisles with scart cables mm-hmm. like in the u.s you'd never even think of that when i first started this stuff in the u.s it's like oh man i gotta get a hold of these scart cables but they're not that you actually have to special order all of them but the here yeah. it's just like you know dime a dozen <laughs> uh yeah and again like this is this is a hobby that can get super expensive but like oh, yeah I, I i always like to go on the side of like it doesn't have to be like you can you know depending on how you know deep you want to get into the gray area of what we do like whether it be an everdrive whether it be uh, a retro pie that we we might talk about in a in a little bit setting one of those up um, but I'm all for like, if they are giving you a way to go and purchase these games on steam on, you know, virtual console, PSN, Xbox live, like do your due diligence, go and make sure and see if they're selling it on there and give, you know, the current developers and, and or if they did a port work or the 
publishers, the rights holders of those games, give them some some money uh, as well, because I think that is just the the right thing to do. Yep, um, I agree. So let's let's talk a little bit about Xbox stuff because yes. Thanks, thanks to Thomas, I now own one of these, and I forgot. Like this is one of these things, like fifteen pounds. They're pretty heavy. It might be the heaviest console ever made. It it is it is a, an absolute tank of a console. And uh, front of the show, uh, Thomas, uh, I think is unpopular gaming opinions. I might be messing that up right now. Uh, but we actually met up at Starbucks today because he moved back to Massachusetts, nice. and he brought me a soft modded Xbox, which. Um, is awesome. Thank you so much for for bringing that. Unfortunately, the drive doesn't work. So I have copies of Doom 3 and Mercenaries next to me. And uh, now I'm still trying to uh, get everything together, which as I put that down, sorry for a second. um, Makes the whole camera shake. (laughs) It it like shakes my house. Like it's like, you know, it is, it is an absolute brick. It's, it's why you were like, it was built like a tank. It was so great. They had the, you had the power supply built in. You literally had like, uh, like a like just a PC DVD drive and a and a motherboard in that thing. And it was, like, we forget like this thing had you know, a gigantic fan on the back. It had uh, you know the the network adapter obviously built in, and then the ability to go, you know, up to 720p output out on this thing. Oh, and this is actually like, it must have been one of the later ones because it does have, it's a 2002 model, but it has that additional thing. I don't know if you remember, but like a couple of years into the Xbox life cycle, they ended up sending out a bunch of new power adapters to owners. Oh yeah, I remember uh, that. Because I guess the other ones were catching on fire and they had to be <laughs> super duper safe. But um, yeah, but anyways, I'm outlining all this stuff and, you know, it just happens today that I also got uh email from Ryan Payton. So I think uh, this is a cool little side thing that we're also going to do is talk about the Xbox in Japan. Um, oh, yeah. Actually, it's funny you say that because I've been sort of planning an episode for DF Retro where I look at sort of the more, I don't want to say hidden gems because I just see that word on the screen there in the questions, but more like... Those weird or interesting games that came out of Japan for the Xbox. And there, there's some pretty cool ones that push the limits of the system, but also mm-hmm. just a lot of good games. I mean, it may not have been popular there, and hopefully Ryan can sort of give us more information on that when you talk to him. But uh, the Japanese developers were actually producing pretty amazing stuff for the system. Oh, so it's yeah, cool. I mean, like it is, and this is something that I was talking with Thomas about uh, this morning, is like, you know, it got that... Uh, notoriety as like Dreamcast 2 because mm-hmm. the sequel to Jet Set Radio came there. Panzer Dragoon uh, ended up going there. And it wasn't just like, and this is like the thing where I, I have a document now set up and now I was like, oh yeah, okay, we'll probably be able to do like squeeze out four episodes talking about the original Xbox. I now have six episodes and this is like super deep. And this is again, this is what's cool about doing these live shows. We kind of like talk it out a little bit, but you know, an episode uh, just w- talking with people that were in the press at the time, talking about the launch and like kind of how messy the messaging was before the thing launched. And then it just happened like Bungie just by some miracle were able to get Halo up and running properly before launch. Um, obviously, Xbox in, in Japan talking about um, just like 
not just exclusives, but games that ran best on uh, the Xbox, talking about modding Xboxes and just the incredible outlets that opened up. Like if you had a modded Xbox back in the day, you had the best media center hardware in the world. Yeah, and this was back when people weren't commonly hooking up their PCs to the TV. There wasn't really much in the way of like an Apple TV or that kind of thing. I mean, it, having a box that worked in your TV and let you do all of that stuff was amazing. You could just rip DVDs right to the hard drive, rip your games to the hard drive. It was very, it was an impressive thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and some somehow this uh, this Xbox, I think it was because it, like you can tell from the stickers, like it was traded in somewhere. But um, mm-hmm. you know, this is just some mystery Xbox that that we found. It just happens to have Metal Wolf Chaos on it. <laughs> so oh, nice. Uh, that's on the the hard drive with. Uh, Xbox Media Center, but like with doing all this, like I, I am going to find another Xbox. Like I just want an Xbox that works and that I can just like I already bought some physical games that I want to be able to like just get that that authentic experience. But it will be also cool to mess around with some of the cool things that they allowed you to do, whether it be you know it's not like we stream XFID files to our our TVs anymore, um, but you could do that. And like you were mentioning. Like this is before even like PCs were being hooked up to TVs. This was like before Microsoft started uh, started offering media center PCs. Like that was Windows XP and Windows. Or excuse me, I think it was just Windows. Was it Windows Vista? They they actually released Windows XP Media Center Edition on some go. new PCs, and, and then that, Vista. <laughs> yeah, and that, that was like oh yeah, and then you can like you know hook up your TV and you can put your coax cable on the back and you can capture video from your antenna or from your cable box and, and whatever you might want to do. But like it was so rough, and even when the Xbox 360 came out, like that had that media center stuff built into that, but that was still kind of rocky. Where there were people that on the like I kept my original Xbox specifically for that because. Like in college, I, mean, I was talking with Thomas about this today. Like I would, you know, you go out on Friday nights. You're not staying on Friday nights, but hell, Stargate's on at eight and nine o'clock. So I would have to download Stargate from perfectly illegal services and <laughs> then stream that XVID file from my laptop to my my Xbox. But like, it was just amazing, amazing, amazing what this $300 box or this $249 box was able to do uh, through the modding community. So we'll definitely talk about that. And, uh, you know, again, kind of just making sure we're keeping the chat in there. Uh, Did the OG Xbox have reliability problems? It always seemed uh, very well built. Well, the exact issue that I have seems to be one of the biggest problems with Xboxes today was the discrepancy in the hard drive, excuse me, the, uh, dvd drive that would right. be in your console like it was either you either got a phillips which oh man the phillips sucked or you got the light on drive which was much more reliable it was much quieter um but you couldn't really figure it out i don't think unless you ended up opening up your console right and that actually brings up the other point if you have an older console i think there's a certain version where it's fine but everything from like 2004 prior there was that time capacitor mm-hmm. issue so you actually had to go now, you know, it didn't plan for long term, but you want to go in there and actually break that capacitor off the board because they're known to leak and that can ruin the system. And it doesn't actually cause any problems other than it won't save the time and date. So you don't want to do that on the newer systems, though, because one, it's a better capacitor 
And two, if you take it off on those systems, it won't boot. So, <laughs> but I think between that, the power thing you mentioned and the CD or the DVD drive thing, those are kind of the main issues, right? Yeah. And actually that just reminded me because I, I modded mine back in college and I even like I waited. So I had one of the, I think it was the Executioner 3, which was solderless, um, but it did have like this little metal antenna that would come off the like mod mod chip like seating assembly that you would need to push through the motherboard. And I ended up breaking one of my motherboards while while doing that. So I ended up having to get a, a second Xbox. But now like I just thought about this. I don't actually need another Xbox. I just need a DVD drive, right? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I'm looking on eBay right now, the DVD drives are about as expensive as an Xbox. Well, there's that. I wonder how much are they going for? Uh, we got uh, looks like running between fifty and sixty bucks. Okay. Yeah. I, would say, like, I just had to replace in a PS2 Slim. I had to replace my laser assembly on one of them, mm-hmm. and I just bought literally. Uh, well, I can hold it up to the camera. Even one of these little things here, and it's just you know. Just pop pop in the new one, replace this one, and this thing was like fifteen bucks. Mm-hmm. So maybe I th- I saw some ones like that for Xbox out there where you can just get the laser assembly. And but I, I haven't actually looked too closely at the Xbox. So oh, maybe man. maybe you can do it for cheap. <laughs> but yeah, you're I, right, Xbox consoles are cheap. Well, this is uh, I mean yeah they're they seem they're built built like tanks. They're they're pretty reliable. I mean the the only time I had an issue with it. Um, I it was because I broke it. But the good thing oh. is, is <laughs> as as we're talking about this, I actually did find an Xbox in my area for fifty bucks with some games. Plus, it has the component cables. Oh, nice! That's like good. Official component cable. So that in itself is worth fifty dollars because the HD, you know, uh, high definition kit or the official, like Microsoft released two things. They had their right. official HD kit, which was like a box that you would hook up component cables to and then put that to the TV. Plus they also had a separate official HD. Like it was just the whole cable itself with that was component uh, video out instead of having to go to the, what was it called? The HD kit or the advanced video kit? Oh, Might be the advanced one. Something like that. I can't remember exactly. I got, I I bought the box back in the day Mm -hmm. that served me well for years. So yeah, I'm going to have to find one of those. But like now it comes to, well, how do we capture this stuff? Because like I that's something I want to do is not only be able to, you know, play these games on like I don't have a CRT that does component right now. I, all I have is a Commodore 64 monitor, but um I do have a frame meister and like I was going through all these different uh possibilities on how we could do this, whether it be go from component to HDMI, but like those are kind of iffy all the time. Like they're, yeah, that's pretty iffy. Yeah, exactly. And like the other thing was this, which was a, um, and actually let me pull this up. So I have it in front of me, um, a D terminal to, to component. Um, but I ordered this. D terminal is the same as component basically. Oh, okay, cool. Um, okay. So I, I got that. And then, but I also, I made the mistake because I don't look at the back of my frame. I didn't think male, female. I bought, unfortunately, uh, a female 
uh, <laughs> D terminal cable, and this was like twenty bucks from Japan. So I made that mistake, but it seems to be like this is the best way to do it is to get a male D terminal uh, cable that has you know component at the end, so you can then go. Like, but now we're talking about like, what is this? Like, eighty bucks to get set oh, up wait, to play did, Xbox games? Did didn't your Freemeister come with uh, the connector for that? I don't think both so. Of, both of mine did actually. Oh, maybe it's there in the box. A, it's in the box. It's just a little oh. adapter for D terminal to component. Okay, I'm gonna go grab the box <laughs> in a second. We'll find out live um, because yeah. I know exactly where the box is. <laughs> but then, while I was digging through my stuff, I also found this old uh, oh. Elgato. Yeah, which has with component leads. Exactly, it has component leads. It maxes out at thirty frames per second. But hell, a lot of the mm. stuff on the Xbox did anyways. So <laughs> I think like this might be another option if you wanted to just get an HDMI signal is to go, you know, component into your old like this is the old Elgato model. Like I think it might have been the original, and then go from here, go HDMI out to your your TV, and this will also allow you to go to a, a frameizer or whatever, which. I don't think you really need because you're going to be outputting 480p or 720p. You don't need to throw scan lines unless you're playing like Marvel vs. Capcom 2 or something. That's right. Um, all right. So while I am doing that, uh, John, why don't you answer a couple answer of questions question. from the chat, like talk about uh, some hot hits like Doom and Riddick, and I'm going to go get my box. Sure thing. All right, Dogan. So you're asking, what are the most technically accomplished games on the Xbox? And I'll just turn around here and actually the shelf in the back is my dedicated Xbox shelf. Let's see. Hmm. Actually, one of the first ones that springs to mind is uh, this: the sequel to Reckless. It was uh, Double Steel 2 is actually called. And that was a pretty impressive looking game. It ran at 720p. It had a sort of a semi-open world city to drive around in. Lots of advanced shaders. Really, really impressive game. Uh, let's see here. I mean, of course, Blood Wake. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I bought Blood Wake. Oh, yeah. Uh, no D-terminal cable. Really? It's not in there? No. Uh, and, like, I'm even... Usually it will say what it comes with on the box, and uh, I don't read Japanese, so I can't really help out there, but not a big deal. Yeah, thinking of the Framemeister, I did want to mention real quick to be very cautious with these things, because I just had to buy a second one, since they're almost gone anyway, because my original one I used for basically for DF Retro and other stuff, I was constantly plugging and unplugging the HDMI cord on the back. And over time, I've sort of damaged it. It's not a loose oh. solder joint, but essentially with most HDMI cables, except for like one or two very select ones, I get like horrible corruption on the image. Like lots of green dots and green lines going through the image. Uh, you know, so I found ways to work around it, but it's kind of flaky right now. And so because of the fact that they've been discontinued, I kind of had to bite the bullet and buy another one because if I lose that thing, I can't even do <laughs> any of my episodes with the old consoles anymore. So it's kind of, you know, the OSSC is cool, but I really want to upscale everything to 1080p when I get mm -hmm. it up to the PC. Easier to work with. Totally. So. Yeah, so you're not having to, like, reframe a bunch of stuff in your editor. Um, exactly. So, okay, so, yeah, unfortunately, maybe, I don't, God, I don't think so. I wouldn't, it's like, it's not, yeah, I don't I don't think mine came with one, unfortunately. Maybe I just, 
like got a different revision of, of how they sold it. But um, that's what I'm, I'm looking forward to is at least taking a look and seeing how, you know, the picture is through this old Elgato. But, you know, worst case is I just need to get a, another D-terminal uh, to component, or I guess component to D-terminal adapter to allow myself to to use that thing. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah, that's hmm. I guess I did notice that they've they. Who did you buy it from? Uh, Was it because like I think I bought it in a trader in Akihabara. Okay, maybe that's it. Because I kind of went through Solaris Japan both times, and they will actually do things like take out the JP twenty one cable and put in a SCART, you know, a Euro oh, for SCART it, yeah. cable, that kind of stuff. So it's possible that they're just kind of. Uh, sticking those cables in for people for convenience purposes Hmm. so well it's it's not the end of the world but i'm guessing like if if i did want to do this right um i would need to get just like the the male version of of what i already have yeah actually looking at the side of the package on the frame meister doesn't actually say it just says that it includes the 21 pin connection cable but it doesn't mention the d-terminal converter so they must have been adding that in extra yeah, mm. buy you know, go back in time and buy your frame meister from Solaris uh, <laughs> because I don't think they have any more right now. No, um, I think they're about done. But you should you should be able to easily get one of those adapters somewhere, I'd imagine, right? I mean, it's it's just like it's tough. Like I looked on eBay, I looked on on Amazon. A lot of stuff uh, comes from Japanese sellers, and a lot of the times it's actually a uh, adapter for like a camcorder um, because that's oh. how they would sometimes get video out of you know cameras back in the day. I guess at least you know, cameras sold in, in Japan. But I, you know, at the end of the day, like it's not that bad. Uh, you know, I will have a set of component cables. So worst case I can always, I, I think the cheap version, I guess it's cheap version. If you have it in your closet, uh, is that old Elgato. And that way you can at least get, it maxes out at 30, but I'm, I know it captures at 30, but I'm guessing that old Elgato will only output a maximum of 30 frames per second too. Yeah, something that's that's not optimal since you would pretty much want proper 60 hertz output. But Especially still. because this Xbox just happened to also have OutRun uh, 2006 too. Or two, OutRun 2 or 2006, either one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm going to have to, damn, I'm going to have to yeah, do the that. Yeah, the whole D-terminal thing is kind of interesting, I guess, because it, it was standard on a lot of Japanese TVs mm-hmm. back in the past. I was over there in 2005, and in my apartment I had a kind of a decent TV, and it actually had two D-terminal inputs on it, which I had never seen before up until that point, and I didn't actually know what it was until years later. I was just like, what is this? But... It turns out it's basically just component video, but with a different connector. Yeah, it's, so, I guess, like a more compact version. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of better in a way because it's, you know, it's very compact. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and also I, I looked for just like a male-to-male uh, adapter, and that that was a, a no-go. But, like, whatever. And, you know, worst case, like, I'm out, you know, 25 bucks. It's not the end of the world. I can always exactly bring that back with me to Japan and give it to someone. I, I don't know. Exactly. Um, so just going to, uh, you know, some more stuff from the chat. Scan lines always look good. You know, I, I think this is like the weird thing that, but if, if I'm going through the Framemeister for this stuff, I'm guessing I'm going to keep scan lines off because especially if I'm going to be playing stuff like, like uh, next to me, I got a copy of Doom 3, Mercs, like any kind of 3D-based game is probably going to look better without the additional scan lines the Framemeister could produce. 
it's kind of a yes and no. I've kind of found that if you're running at 1080p and you do the times two view mode, if you use really thin scan lines on there on 480p content specifically, mm. you actually get something that looks kind of like a real uh, like a computer monitor from back in the day. Like if you gotcha. send 640 by 480 to a PC monitor, it actually looks rather similar. There's real natural scan lines on that type of display. So it's, you know, kind of cool looking. But if you're recording, if you're capturing for the internet, don't use scan lines <laughs> unless you're adding them in post and, you know, but real scan lines from like the Frame Meister do not look good. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a monster. I like it. I'm, 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 I'm a total monster. Yeah. It kind of like darkens the image a little bit too. Um, the problem is when you scale, depending on the size of your window and the improper scaling, it creates like weird oh. artifacts in the image. So yeah, it ends up point. looking really uneven and strange. So if John, you watch it for us, yeah, well, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, this is like, uh, that's a super, super good point because like I never even think about it. And I always, like, I'm not even sure when I'm using like that frame meister, like if I should be outputting like at 720p, does it matter how much like that thing is upscaling when we're capturing for it? Do you always want to like, you know, scale that picture up as big as possible? Well, I actually think um, I like using 720p mode on the frame meister because it's like a perfect three times scale mm-hmm. from 240p to 720. So you fill the image perfectly. But what I do when I capture is, so I use Amarec TV mm-hmm. for most of my capture to get the lossless codec stuff. I leave that inputting at 1080p, but I set the frame meister to 720p and it does the capture card I'm using does a nearest neighbor scale. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't add any extra blur to the image. So you get a full screen, nice crisp looking thing. It's not, it does 1080p high enough. I mean, it, I guess if you really counted the pixels, you would get a little bit of distortion, but it looks pretty good. That's actually what I used for the uh, the Quake episode. So the mm-hmm. PS1 footage was all done at 720p from the Frame Meister, and I had the capture card sending 1080p. That's what I was capturing at. So, so what are you getting out of the PS1? Do you have one modded for RGB? Oh well, you don't need to mod the PlayStation. Actually, they all support RGB natively. So oh, cool. But so I am using a. Uh, I do. I'm using a G-Scart switcher, so I have that just run into the Frame Meister and to the PVM, so it kind of sends it to both. And then gotcha. you know, so I actually have component cables as well for it, kind of hooked up if I need. But I usually just use the SCART cable for that. So, you know, that's it works pretty well. But you want you don't want to go cheap on the SCART cables with the PlayStation. <laughs> I found that you want to do. I use the Sync on Luma. Uh, cables, which actually taps into the S video output on the system. If you use the normal, like, uh, I guess composite sync or whatever, you end up with a lot of sort of like checkerboard artifacts in the colors. It doesn't look great. And a lot of cheap cables have that problem, but I got a, you know, a nice one with a sync on Luma from retro gaming cables, Mm -hmm. which I use them a lot because they ship here fast, but uh, it yeah. looks awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that was another thing that I was looking at was uh, there are RG, Euro RGB SCART cables for the original Xbox. But then at that point, I would also, I'm guessing I would need to go from that to, and also get the Euro adapter for my frame meister uh, to be able to hook that thing up. But like for the audience, if they do think about doing this and for myself, um, like <laughs> what what is the difference between you know, a SCART cable wired for composite sync or C-Sync versus one that's not. Oh, geez. The whole C-Sync thing. Oh, man, off the top of my head. It's an I'm extra little, $5, so it must was, be better. 
I always get confused on exactly what that comes into play. I'm not so sure that C-Sync matters in a lot of cases, but I have seen it sort of... It looks like it's only for like certain PVMs that require certain it to types function. of displays seem to use it. Um, there's a lot more details. I need to kind of look it up to refresh my memory on that because I'm actually just using a sync stripper uh, to remove that from the chain anyway. So well, I'm thinking, okay, if we're, if we're if we're coming to some sort of like a game plan, because like this is something that obviously is going to be a big part of of one of the episodes is literally just going to be about the the hardware itself, and I'm trying to get certain members of the original hardware team to come on the show to do this stuff. But talk about the original hardware and really the best play way to play this stuff today, because uh, obviously, like there's a couple things that you can look at. One. You mentioned quality cables. Stay away from the generic component cables that are available on eBay and are on Amazon for $5 for the Xbox because they are terrible. They are really, really bad cables. There are there is Oh yeah. There seems to be no real in-between uh the five dollar Chinese crap and the you know, fifty to sixty dollar, like whether it be the Microsoft official Microsoft stuff, whether it be the cable the box or also, this is what I had back in the day because at the time I worked at Best Buy. So when you buy monster cables, like they were marked up like 70%. So I had the official monster component cables for the original Xbox. That's another option, but they're all in like the $50 to $60 range to pick those oh, yeah. up. But um, it looks like from this guy who just emailed me back, I'm going to be picking up an Xbox tonight that has some component cables. Uh, and some shitty sports games. But a copy of Halo, too. <laughs> or Halo as well. Well, you could get NFL 2K5 if you want this the best uh, football game. I am made. absolutely covering NFL 2K5. I, I'm, awesome, I just man. recorded an episode earlier today of The Weekend Rental talking to doing uh, NFL 2K2. And NFL 2K2 oh, also yeah. still looks um, awesome. But this is actually a pretty good setup. It comes with two controllers, the Logitech wireless controller, which I used to have as well. And uh, although it comes with a bunch of sports games, unfortunately, most of the football ones are EA. It also uh, comes with uh, Halo, uh, Big Red, Call of Duty 2, Big Red 1, if you remember that. <laughs> um, Leisure, sh- oh my God, my roommate. Oh, not, no. my, not my roommate, but like the people that live next <laughs> to me in the next room over, they bought this. Uh, Leisure, Leisure Suit Larry Magna Come Loud. Uh, oh man <laughs> so that will be you know going right into the dumpster and also uh this is a kind of a weird game star wars um knights uh what was it called star wars knights of the old republic 2 so it's a really yeah, bad of- picture you took um but yeah that will be that'll, that will solve at least oh, but i'm telling you i can't tell if those component cables are the good ones or the bad ones mm. because it's not the box it's like but you can tell, like, the input thing that goes in the back of the Xbox has, like, a little hump on it. For the optical? The yeah, for the cable. optical. Um, and I think that's what it is. But, again, it's, it looks like he took this picture of, like, an old Nokia cell phone. So, I don't know. We'll find out find out tonight. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, some other things that I also wanted to mention in terms of the, the best way to play this stuff is... Another option is obviously the Xbox 360, which offers some limited compatibility for the original Xbox, but a lot of it is like kind of rough, and it's so hit and miss when it comes to how that thing emulates uh, old Xbox games. Yeah, I think that's more just like a, a fascinating thing to look at rather than a real way to play Xbox games. Most games run a lot worse 
or they have graphical glitches or other problems. I mean, I think they put the most effort into Halo and Halo 2, but even those run slower than they do on real Xbox hardware. Yeah. And so it's it's kind of not great. <laughs> They've done a lot better this time with the Xbox 360 on Xbox One. Oh, that's compatibility. insane. That's fantastic. That, but- is, that is worth potentially, depending on how invested you are into original Xbox 360 games or you want to go back, like that's worth the $200 for an Xbox One S right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's awesome stuff. Um, and by the way, if you're listening to this very, very soon after recording or live, there's a big sale coming up on original, excuse me, Xbox 360 games on Xbox One, on Xbox Live next week in the U.S. So you can go and take a look at that stuff. Um, all right. So, you know, as we kind of, we got about 15 minutes left. If again, you guys got questions in the chat that you want us to hit on, but I would love to hear like, you know, again, I'm still kind of doing a lineup and trying to figure out there's three games or three game episodes that I want to do. Um, one is talking about, uh, doom three and half-life two on the console, just because it's like, like, again, thing came out in 2002 and in 2000 and what did Half-Life 2? It probably came out in 2005 on the Xbox. Half-Life 2, I think, came out in 2005 on the Xbox. Okay. And the hardware was from 2001, so that's like four years difference. And Half-Life 2 itself on the PC was late 2004. Mm -hmm. It was like November. Oh, I remember. I was, God, Half-Life 2 (laughs) sitting in my dorm room wondering if it's like the dorm, like the college network that's slowing down this unlock or if it is just Steam absolutely melting, which it was Steam melting. Um, I mean, that was the beginning of Steam, right? I mean, it had only launched like six months prior to Half-Life 2. It was it was so bad. Like, I literally woke up at like 8 a.m. the day of release and picked up Half-Life 2 at the Walmart down the street. Again, it was like five DVDs or something like that. So I got back thinking, all right, I'm going to install this and play. And even after you installed the DVDs, it still needed to call home to unlock the game. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. So that was awesome. But yeah, I mean, Half-Life 2 was super cool. And let me uh, grab it. My copy of, of Doom 3 oh. for the original Xbox for a whole four ninety nine from the local New York City book off. That's because you don't have the Steelbook version. Oh, I don't know. Oh, <laughs> that was, that was like, I mean, that was like Half-Life 2 and that were like the two big Steelbooks on the uh, console. There's also Halo 2 had one uh, and Splinter Cell Oh yeah, uh, Chaos Theory. So the third one, that had a steelbook. Maybe we can figure out a way where we can get some tunneling <laughs> software set up and we can play some oh, yeah. co-op uh, Doom 3 because... That would be amazing. We'll see how well it shows up on the screen if it can focus. But not only did it support 720p out, it supported System Link multiplayer and Xbox Live co-op. So you could literally play this with someone uh, online. And I and I forgot, like, I just saw this because it was uh, in another, like, Xbox listing I was looking at today. Uh, Resurrection of Evil also came out for the yep, original right. Xbox 2, which makes sense. It's really interesting to go back. That version I kind of always enjoyed. It's a little bit different from actual PC Doom 3. Mm-hmm. They went They went through and made a lot of level changes to make it work on the Xbox. 
but in a way they kind of streamlined some of the levels a little bit. So it's a little bit, I like Doom 3, but it kind of drags on for a long time on the <laughs> yep. PC. And some of the levels just go on forever. This version's kind of a little bit more streamlined and pretty fun to jump back into. <sighs> it looks insane for the system, too. It is It is so insane. I, and I can't remember. It was it was System Link or it was online co-op, right? It wasn't local co-op. It doesn't look like uh, it was. And it was 480p, sorry, not 7... 720p and vicarious yeah, visions did the porting say, work that's that's right oh my god actually vicarious visions did a lot i just was uh, playing some xbox today i popped in uh jedi knight 2 jedi outcast yep uh the xbox version just for fun and sure enough vicarious visions did that one as well so <sighs> they, they did some all great over. stuff um by the way one question i want to answer since i saw it pop up there totally. somebody said uh where was it uh earth or eth demon said, how much input leg does all the daisy chaining add? It must be a nightmare. And I would say very little. Like, in my case, I run everything into a G-SCART switcher for the most part, and that does not add any leg to the mix. So to the PVM, there's zero leg. Then it goes to the XRGB or the Frame Meister, and I think that adds, like, two frames, one frame. It's, it's a very little bit of amount of leg that you get from the Frame Meister. And then you have to take into account your display. So, like, that's going to vary per person, right? Like, on my TV, it's, like, a 25 milliseconds, 26 milliseconds, something like that. But when I go to the capture card, the capture card does add a ton of input lag. So, probably, like, 150 milliseconds or something crazy where it, it feels a lot worse during capture. So, sometimes I play it on the CRT while it's capturing on the PC. That way I don't have to put up with that <laughs> awful leg. Um, so, oh, sorry, you know, no. sorry, I'm, go ahead. I'm, no, yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, running through my notes because I'm, I'm thinking, and I probably just totally lost my, my train of thought. I was, as I was thinking, then I interrupted you, which was even worse. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple of games that I definitely want to check out. Uh, Mercenaries is a game that, uh, I also have down here. Again, if you're in New York city, the local book off, and, and I will say this, like Book Off is a, um, it's a chain of stores that sell used like books, CDs, movies in Japan, but uh, they do have a store in New York. And I think there's like one in San Francisco as well, but they know what they're selling. Like they have, they put out, like they have a limited section for old stuff in their store, but they put out like the best stuff. Like they had five copies of Shenmue 2. They had, um, yeah, like they were like stacked, but it was priced accordingly. Like they knew what this stuff was worth, but they also had, I'm trying to think, like they had a, they had a bunch of copies of just like really like great and expensive games. The thing that I'm, I'm still looking for, uh, Time Splitters Future Perfect, um, that's definitely uh, something that I want to cover just because, like, oh, yeah. have you followed like any of this stuff, like the community for, maybe it's just because I randomly got like hooked into some Facebook group, but there's a really hardcore time splitters community that is keep keeps trying to like remake the old time splitters games or like to, you know, Oh, wow. I guess who owns them? So now um, it's the far, it's Ubisoft, I, it's, right? I think it was, um, so Dam Buster studios, right? That's <laughs> the guys that became Crytek UK that were previously the developers of, uh, Time splitters. What were they called under times as time splitters? Uh, free radical. Free radical. So in that not so great but not terrible Homefront game that just came out recently or last year, I guess. Do you remember that? Oh, that was they them? actually. 
That was them. Oh, so they actually man. included Time Splitters 2 in that game. What? So, yeah. So Wait, no, I'm pretty wait, I'm pretty oh, positive about that. Wait, Time Splitters oh, like the actual game is in that game? Time Splitters 2. Oh, if, I wonder if that, it's the whole game, but um, that is almost worth purchasing because Time okay, Splitters Two is dope. It's just two, it's two levels from, so it's not the whole game. That's the works. but still, it's like two levels of Homefront, or sorry, two levels of Time Splitters Two buried in there. <laughs> Better than the rest of Homefront. So it's nice kind of cool. They actually, included that value. And um, by the way, real quick, since we since I pulled up the steel case for Doom, yes. I forgot what this version includes. The entirety of Doom One and Two. That's right. So they got. Doom 1 and 2, this was like one of the best console ports at the time, right? Mm Because like Doom, I don't think Doom, Doom didn't exist on like Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, or GameCube or anything like that. Right, exactly. And then the older ports, of course, they have their pluses and minuses. But I think when this hit, this was like the best console port of Doom 1 and 2 in existence as of 2005, I guess. So pretty cool. Yeah, this, I'm telling you, I think... Maybe it's just me. I might be totally at my own butt, but I think that <laughs> like the like the Xbox generation, like that Xbox, PS2, GameCube, like GameCube is definitely collectible. Like and again, like in that oh, yeah. section in Book Off, like they had copies of Super Smash Brothers, like they had like all the effect, like Nintendo published games, but they're all like fifty, sixty bucks, like the prices for that stuff are going nuts. Um but yeah, if you're ever in New York City, go and track down Book Off. It's pretty close to 30 Rock, like Rockefeller Center. So you can always uh, find your way over there and take a look. Because like, you know, Doom 3 is worth five bucks. Mercenaries is worth five bucks. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll pay 10 bucks to get these two games. And-, and on the flip side, if we have any European viewers, I will say if you go to Lyon, France, which is uh, where my wife's from, there's a store called Game Spirit there that sounds very similar, where they just have basically every single rare game you could ever think of, like all these like two, three hundred dollar Sega Saturn games that you never see anywhere. They're all there. They've got like eight Radiant Silver Guns sitting on the shelf, all that Jesus. kind of stuff. You know, it's just all of the stuff is there. And of course, I go in and drool on it, but it's not like I'm going to drop that much money just on those kind of games, right? But still, oh, man, it's cool. It's cool to see a place. And what's really cool about that store is it's two it's two stories. So the bottom floor is all uh, the game store, and then there's literally like a, a balcony that overlooks it. And you go up there, and they've got like uh, twenty candy cab arcade machines all up top. So they've basically got an arcade on top of the store. It's, it's just smart. The it's super sweet. the super potato <laughs> setup. Uh, and yes, I saw Magical Chase. <laughs> God, Magical Chase. Yeah, you know I. I don't know. I think I put the soundtrack back, but uh, yeah, that was you, a good episode, by the way. And I, I listened to that. Oh, is that like? Oh man, it's so good. <laughs> like, good and music. I just, I just That's finished. Awesome. Uh, actually, it's over <laughs> there, so I can't grab it. But uh, Wild Wild World Two, which is also uh, really oh, nice. cool, weird soundtrack, and um, yeah, you know, another perk as we get to wrap it up. Another perk of being a back my play Patreon supporter of five dollars or more is you get shows like this every single month. Plus, you get back my play radio, which. Due to the response from that, I might actually bump up to twice a month for for people because you seem to want more. It's weird. I didn't really think about it that hard, but it sounds like people that listen to podcasts want more podcasts. They don't necessarily want more video, which I get. Um, so maybe we'll we'll do that as we'll just kind of double that up. But I still, uh, you know, uh, along with that, you get weekend rental stuff, which I still like doing because I'm definitely going to do uh, a couple episodes once I get all. Now I'm like covered in cables 
once I get all this <laughs> stuff set up and I get a working Xbox DVD drive, uh, I would like to play through some of the stuff, capture it and, and talk about it. Because like, you know, I still remember, God, those like reading an official Xbox magazine and IGN Xbox and just like how ridiculous like the lighting and textures of Doom 3 were on the Xbox. So I, I'm hoping that I go back into it and it's like a solid 24 to 25 frames per second. Um, no, it's better than that, dude. Is it? It's, it's actually, it's very, very smooth. Oh, Doom God. 3 is. So good. And even like, this is why we should still have instruction booklets. Like the instruction booklet is like covered in blood and stuff. It oh, looks no. like someone got <laughs> blood all over their hands and started fingering through it. Um, so this is, God, it's an awesome console. Like it was just so, oh, so good. I can't wait to do this. It's a full series. color manual too. Yeah, like that's what it was. Like I missed that. Uh, and also, <laughs> that's the thing about Book Off is all they only sell complete games, so there are oh, thank no goodness. Uh, loose games except for PSP and DS games, which you know that's people. That's what they did. They got rid of that goes. stuff. Um, all right. Uh, well, last piece of news while we're getting towards the end is I ended up getting. Uh, this is kind of in your realm as well, John. I got an email from Kirk Collada oh. because. Like I've been going back and forth with Kurt on wanting, to, I don't know why I want to do this game, uh, but obviously we did Rondo of Blood like years ago. Yes, and excellent. I don't have my PC Engine Seed Duo R anymore, which is again probably good because at this time the Dojin Dance one probably would have disintegrated in terms of like the duct tape or whatever he had, you know, putting that thing together. <laughs> but, hot glue, baby. <laughs> yeah, hot glue, great for soldering. So uh, we are going to do. I guess it is Castlevania Dracula X on the Super Nintendo, or I think it's oh yes in Japan. I think it was like Castlevania Double X. Double, yeah, it's it's uh yeah. I actually have the Japanese card behind me somewhere, but it's like let me check actually. Yeah, it's a it's a it's not a super expensive card if you grab it in Japan. It's like you know yeah, forty or fifty exactly. Bucks. It's it's this one here, Akumaju Dracula Double X. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> so. it's it's a. It's a good game. I think like Kurt and I were emailing back and forth. He's like, the only thing I'm worried about is like just saying, you know, how much better the PC Engine version is the whole time. But uh, I'm still excited to play through it. So that is what we're going to do next week for uh, the show is Kurt and I will try to have a civil conversation about (laughs) Dracula X. And you because back then, like, what are you going to do? Import a PC Engine in 1994 or five? Well, yeah, of course. But in a way, it's I'm glad that it exists because it's not really a port. It's pretty much like a new game, right? So yeah, like half of it is uh, different levels. There's you know the backgrounds yeah. are different. There's some new tracks in it, and the music is kind of it's it's okay. Um, that first soundtrack though is pretty good. Or the <sighs> first level on the SNES version, they do some so pretty good. cool sound there. It's not bad. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, that is what we got uh, coming up. But, uh, you know, again, like I said, I want to kind of wrap up uh, with a couple, couple things before we go. Uh, first off, like I mentioned, you know, this is after this month, this will be Patreon exclusive and it will be in a, a cool RSS feed. It's easy to add into your favorite podcast application. But this is going to allow me to continue to do more of, epi- uh, more of these episodes and continue to do this show and you can go to patreon.com slash back of my play. You can support the show starting at just $5 per month. And like I said, you're not just going to get this. You're going to get back my play radio. You get the weekend rental video series and any other additions that come on top of that as I continue to shape this based on what the audience 
once, but that means so much. If you do enjoy this show, if you head over there, I know it takes a couple minutes to set up a patreon.com. It's a really nice interface. It's easy to uh, get set up on there. And again, you know, at the end of every month, they just, you know, take five bucks, they put it into my account. And that uh, hopefully adds up with a lot of the listeners out there and allows me to set aside more time and do this stuff. Because right now, um, you know, again, I've talked about this in the past a little bit. Uh, we have a couple things. One, we have a, a, a lot of awesome people that were already back in my play Patreon supporters that were supporting the show at a dollar per episode. Uh, but once I flipped the switch, what happened was, is that changed it to $1 per month. So you may need to go back in your account and adjust that. That way you still make sure you get the posts uh, for the $5 or more tiers. So make sure you go and do that if you haven't already. Um, plus, like I said, you know, a lot of people, if, if, if a lot of people support the show at five bucks a month, it allows me to continue to invest more time and resources into this show. Uh, same thing with my other show, uh, because that's kind of my hope is that half of my career is doing this stuff and the other half will be, um, you know, doing something else. I'm still figuring all that out. But <laughs> uh, really appreciate everyone out there that does support the show. It means a uh, hell of a lot. So thank you for for doing that. And uh, if you do have any questions or feedback, Kevin at backmyplay.com as always. So John, thank you so much for for coming on. It's always a blast to talk with you, especially you know coming on the day that you release a new episode of Digital Foundry Retro. So I need to ask you, like, do, do you have an idea of like what you got coming uh, up for that or still like kind of, you know, well, there's a couple things I have in mind. Well, I mentioned the Xbox episode, of course. Uh, I'm planning to get together with that German guy over here and actually do like a real legitimate like retro PC kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like go through all the old graphics cards. Hell Might yeah. try to do something with that. Uh, it's not as retro, but I'm planning to do a Crytek episode. So, and that involves Crisis. Because, of course, being that I'm living in Frankfurt here, that's where Crytek is based. And there's still some people still around, uh, right? that are still around okay. uh, that are familiar with that. So something there. And, you know, we'll figure it out as I go along. <laughs> I mean, Far Cry uh, is, again, another weird... Uh, did they, they never ported Far Cry to the Xbox. They just did that, like, weird offshoot, Instincts. right? Yeah, they did an offshoot, which is pretty cool. But, yeah, it's not actually the PC game. But, you know... In some ways, it's better, actually. Cool, cool. Um, well, that's awesome. And, and we'll obviously have you back on during the summer of Xbox that is that is coming up. And uh, again, if, if you have any feedback or anything that you want to make sure that we cover for that, you know, let me know. You can just shoot me an email. And I'm really excited because the next couple of weeks and months uh, look super packed. And also, uh, this is something that I wanted to mention real quick. If you also want to get a little bit of a... Um, a basis of material for this. I, oh God, I should have had the, I think I already deleted the email that it sent me, but um, let me pull it up real quick. I ended up buying the, a copy of opening the Xbox. Uh, Oh, right. Do you remember this book? Yeah, that book. I know that book. Uh, yeah. I think it was Dean Takahashi wrote it. Um, pulling mm-hmm. it up right now. Yes, uh, Dean wrote it. Opening the Xbox inside Microsoft's plan to unleash an entertainment revolution. Um, and I ordered a copy of that, which is pretty cheap. You can get used copies on Amazon. It's out of print. But I also stumbled upon another book. Uh, Robbie Bach wrote a book. You might remember. Oh, that's right. I forget about that. Yeah. You might remember Robbie from such Rock. E3 stages of, you know, <laughs> somewhat robotic, but still, you know, meant the best when talking about Rock Band or something like that. Um, but Robbie Bach wrote a book 
Xbox revisited a game plan for corporate and civic renewal, which Whoa. I also ordered a copy of because it's 14 bucks. Why not? Um, but this is all about the, well, let's put it this way. Uh, let's see if they have an inside the cover quote. Yeah. Xbox was the biblical equivalent of formless and empty and quickly, uh, escalated into a game of high-stakes poker with billions of dollars and the company's reputation at stake. As business leader, citizen, and, quote, civic engineer, this is weird, Robbie Bach applies lessons learned from the world of video games to the complex social and political issues of our time. So we all know that the United States is quite divided right now politically, so I hope the answers are in Robbie Bach's new book. I guess it's like two <laughs> years old now. Xbox revisited a game plan for corporate and civic renewal. Who knew the answers were in this book, but they are. So I'll read it and find out. Um, it's got all pretty good reviews, though. So that's going to do it for for this episode. Again, uh, thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, if you are a Patreon supporter or if you're just someone that's hanging out uh, as part of the preview, it means a lot for, for you guys jumping on. Having an active chat is always better. And uh, again, uh, John, where can people find you on the internet or check out some more of your stuff? You can find me at Dark1X on Twitter or at Eurogamer.net slash Digital Foundry. Just find us on there or YouTube.com slash Digital Foundry, where I'm doing most of the stuff, actually. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, you guys have kind of a busy time coming up with. Are you going to E3 or do you stay at home for yeah, that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to E3 this year. The other guys will be staying back here, and I'll be feeding them as much direct feed stuff as I can get. <laughs> oh, so, so you're actually going in there, and you're going to be hooking up your... Oh, yeah. Oh. I got my cap- my capture devices ready to go. Jeez. So, uh, yeah, try to send some stuff back home. Do you have any per- like last predictions? Or are you Obviously, I mean, Scorpio is going to be a big thing there. Yeah, Scorpio is going to be a big thing there. Hoping to get some nice 4K capture of that thing. Um yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, from <laughs> the other weird? companies right now, Isn't I mean, Xbox weird? is. We'll see. Uh, you know, either way, it's always it's fun, but very very tiring. So, I <laughs> especially with that nice twelve hour flight, it's like going to Japan. Oh, that's right, the opposite direction. <laughs> oh, um, I was gonna say like the, I my my E three time my one my one E three was all I really needed, which was like. S- <laughs> in game trailers copying and pasting and like waiting for the video compressor machine to get done like compressing the trailer we just got (laughs) into like 18 formats because back in 2008 like you you couldn't just say like we got 720p you had to have like 360 you had to have 240 you had to have wmv you had to have something that would like play in quick time or some probably even real player i can't even remember what we had back then but (laughs) like that was all right, I think I had enough of what that was. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really excited for E3. I know we're going to get you know new Mario stuff. Microsoft needs to be pulling out all the stops. I'm sure they got some big reveals and some exclusives. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because um, they're still behind. And Sony's probably going to still be Sony and maybe Shenmue 3. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. It's about that I don't know time. if they'll be able to top those last two years of press conferences, though. Oh, I know. Um it's gonna be tough. I'm. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's like any sort of like crazy last prediction, but I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess it's gonna be pretty by the numbers. 
Yeah, I mean, we got The Last Guardian. Um, yeah. We got Final Fantasy fifteen. I mean, those games were in development forever. And, like, already we're games ne- this year have been nuts. Like, it's a nonstop yeah. release. Like, even last yeah. week, we got Prey, which was, like, kind of came out of nowhere. S- Oh, man, it's awesome. And it's awesome. It's really good. Yeah. It's not, it's not enough time to play games. All right, well, that's going to do nope. it for, <laughs> for us today. Uh, again, like I said, thank you so much for, for tuning in or listening on the podcast after the fact. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Take care.